welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Signal Fire Radio, Season 3, Episode 3. If you watched our episode last week, you might think for a moment that the co-host or the host was replaced. I uh, am suddenly beardless for the first time in about four years, and my wife, Brandon, said I look about ten years younger. Do you concur with her? I with, agree. Yeah. I agree. I think that you look younger. You look more vibrant. Oh, thank you. Um, you look, you know, you you look optimistic, and we need that because— <laughs> We need some hope. We need some hope. We need some hope. We need to be the change that we wish to see, right? You know, and I love to see it in your blue eyes. I can, mm-hmm. I can, I can see— I can see the optimism. Matt, do you also feel the same way about my 10-year younger face? Because I feel like, you know, you and I, we, we closed the gap. When we would meet with people, they would, they'd be like, maybe Matt's a little bit older. Maybe they're right around the same age. But you took umbrage in our meeting with our friends from Hidden Ships when I, when I said that I was still under 40. Does this change now our interpersonal relationship of, of me no. looking 10 years your senior, your prior at least? No. None at all whatsoever? You know, in a, in a podcast, you're paid to give your opinion. You know, not just use... I mean, in kindergarten, they called me old man hands, so it's, I've been told I'm the old guy my whole life, so... I've you, got a couple jokes, but I'm going to leave. When my wife met me, she thought I, I was 21, and she thought I was, like, my, in my mid-30s. So you never got... Did you ever get carded? I mean, yeah, just, like, normal. Yeah. But I also was never, like... Hey guys, you want me to buy you some beer? Because they don't think I'm. I was, I was never into that. I was always too scared. Did to anybody ever ask you to buy beer for him? Just no. off the street? No. No. Bill Bill Kaczynski, our first our first guest that we're going to bring in. Has anybody ever asked you to purchase a beer for them? Just a random guy in a gas station. All the time. You have that trusting face on you. Well, I grew up in the beer state, so when I was eighteen, beer was legal. Was you know as an adult, so. Yeah. Bill, before we before we introduce Rob, this is the second opportunity that we've had you on Signal Fire Radio. However, for those of you that have been watching Signal Fire, listening, following along for the last three years, you'll you'll probably be going, I've never listened to an episode with Bill Kaczynski on it. And that was because we had no freaking idea, Brandon, of what we were doing back then. And so the whole episode got lost. There was I don't remember what the technical issue was. I believe it was an army guy that was uh, it leading It was an yes. army guy by the name of Evan Anderson. <laughs> That's correct. Who That's forgot correct. to hit record. TK yeah, and good. Joe It's great to be back. Yeah, though. TK and Joe left us in the recording booth by ourselves on a Saturday and was like, "Yeah, you just going to do this 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 and this and um what can go wrong will go wrong in the world of, of comms, as I'm sure you're well aware. Rob Always cool. does. Yeah. And by the way, you look very resilient, because I think that's going to be our topic today. So you are much younger and resilient in yes. the face. You hear that, Matt? It's I'm going to go with that. I thought, the beard, I thought the beard made me look like a little tougher. I wore the beard when I—so when I so actually, I got out of the Marines, and then I stopped shaving because I could. But also, I felt like— it aged me a little bit, so I had that kind of imposter syndrome when I was, you know, going to the first couple of jobs and whatnot where I was like, oh, no, I need to I need to look a little older, like I have a little bit more experience. And so it only took me 14 years then to do away with it and finally feel settled in my own skin. So are you done with it? I'm done with it for now. Forever? Yeah. The, my kids love it. The girls, they were freaked out at first. And, and it's not like, gray either. No. So. No. Yeah, so it was the guy with gray hair. I never had a prom buying beer. No. I never got carded, and I bought a lot of beer for a lot of people over the years. <laughs> Where are you from originally, Rob? Uh, so I'm a mutt. I'm from okay. all over, but uh, 400 years, really in the Northeast, New Jersey, Massachusetts yeah. kind of area. Yeah. And you've been in Wilmington now for? On and off for about 15 years. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and I'm glad we finally have you as a guest too as well, Rob, because you are, I believe, Matt, correct me, the official Signal Fire Radio archives, the first gentleman or gentle lady with a star. Um, general grade. Yeah, yeah. general grade for our first general grade gra- guest. So we have now... We've broken glass ceilings by having you on today. Wonderful to be here. <laughs> we want to be more diverse, so we're bringing in, you know, stars. Yeah. So because I yeah. always lead with that. I always yeah. Lead with, yeah. I'm a well, general. It's, it's yeah. right there on your collar. Yeah. Well, you got to do that because yeah. if you can't, if you can't anybody listen to you without a general, then you, you probably yeah. shouldn't be talking. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Shouldn't it. be talking. Give a little bit of your background, Rob. Just set the set the stage of you know kind of where you got started, your military career, and then right now you're a small business owner, entrepreneur in town. But you have your fingers in a ton of things. Was one of the things we're going to talk about with you and Bill today. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So. Uh, I went to West Point a couple of years ago uh, because my dad came downstairs around Halloween of my senior year in high school and said he started a company with my college fund. I, I said, great, what does that mean? It means we don't have any money to send you to school, so I'm, I'm out of here. So I had nowhere to go, so I had to go find some scholarships. And my high school history teacher, who had a son at West Point, had been trying to get me to watch the video about West Point. I said, now it's time, time to do that. So I went and saw it, applied early, got accepted before Christmas, on the academic side, and then had to go off and, you know, get a congressman to, to endorse me. Well, I had to borrow a jacket. I mean, I was not the right person to go to West Point. <laughs> uh, but I did. I finally I went to my first interview, uh, didn't know what I was doing, failed that miserably, and, and got a no. Uh, and then went to the second one. I said, okay, now I got a jacket. I know how to play this game, and, and got accepted and went off to West Point. So that was, that was great. Then I went to Hawaii for a couple of years. I was an artillery officer, uh, which was great. And then, you know, after nine, after the first Gulf War, mm-hmm. the Army was shrinking up to the point where it really wasn't a part of something I wanted to stay long, long term. So I got out about four or five years. I said, let me try something else, but then immediately missed it. And then about six months after I left the active duty, came right back into the Army Reserves and have been in the Army Reserves ever since, um, which was great because it, it allowed me to be in two places at one time. Yeah. One full-time career going on the civilian side, one going in, in the military. And it's hard. So you know, most of our... Um, Military leaders understand the active duty side of it, that somebody gets paid every two weeks, has a base with a hospital, has full-time support. The Army Reserve and the National Guardsmen out there, in all components, that's not their life. Yeah. And unfortunately, the ones who make decisions about that are the full-time folks or the SESs, the civilians that just took their uniform off and then got a paycheck every two weeks. So they don't, they don't truly understand what it's like to be on small-town Main Street. And that, that, that's a hard place, especially when you're trying to manage a military career in concurrence with a family going to school, getting a job, little things like that called yeah. life. And, it, and it's hard when, you, when you're trying to be in both parts. So I did that, and then um, we sold that company. Uh, so I went to the act duty, came back. My dad asked me to come help him. I did it. We, we grew it, and then we sold it to one with, of our— With the company that you started with your college fund, so right? I, okay, that, good. That was, that was fortuitous. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I signed a bunch of non-compete clauses. Uh, my golf game couldn't get any worse, so I went off and got my MBA at Carolina. I literally was the guy who drove the application up the road three minutes before the closure of the application. I threw it across the table. They looked at it and said, we'll take you because you're the last guy. <laughs> so an MBA at Carolina was great. Uh, and then uh, went to Deloitte Consulting. So I used some of my military career. I still had a, a clearance. So I was one of the few folks in Deloitte that could be on both sides of the fence, right? The dark side mm. and the opposite side. So a lot of work in pharma biotech, which is what we did in our company. And then a lot on the DOD side. Um, and then was hired by one of my clients, which was Phillips Medical Systems, and then helped manage and run their venture fund. So I was a corporate venture capitalist for about a decade with them, really in clinical informatics, patient monitoring devices. And our book of business was truly international. I wasn't U.S. or, or Western Europe. 
That was everybody else. Brazil, India, China, uh, th those kind of places. The emerging so, markets? Back then, absolutely. Yeah. Right. So we were doing telemedicine at the edge before telemedicine was cool. Mm. Um, and then did that for about 10 years. Problem was uh, I, I did a couple of deployments in there, and Phillips really didn't appreciate that. So while there's laws called USARA and some other things, the reality is the Guardsmen and Reserve have a hard time not being right-sized, especially in larger businesses. And then it's hard for you know Joe's Mechanic Shop that's got four mechanics and two of them are in the in the Guard and Reserve. They have no confidence when they're going to be able to go. So the right the yeah. company, the the shop yeah. can kind of manage it. So it, it's a hard spot. So they came down here uh, and then went into sin entrepreneurship. So some bakeries and beer and wine stores, which is absolutely you know a great place to be. Um, then got sent away for a couple of times after that with the Army, finished up as the uh, Army Reserve Chief of Staff, uh, 2020 and 21, right when COVID started. And then now I'm, I'm back in the kind of startup world. So made some angel investments with some um, really interesting startup companies here in town. Uh, and then l looking at some really fun opportunities going forward in that space. So it's, it, it's, it's me going back into that world. Anything that you can talk about? So a lot of lot of fun stuff. So really, where I I like to play, and I say play because it's it's really interesting, is um, something that's going to be unique and dynamic. So we are in some water purification opportunities. We're in some um, opioid addiction issues. Uh, we're looking into some neurosensing capabilities, uh, which are going to be pretty neat. So um, once we get these across the goal line, I'll come back and, yeah. and share more about because it, it's really, really interesting kind of. Any of that with opiate and David Reeser? A little bit. Yeah, yeah. he was the guest of the podcast. Yeah, no, yeah. I know that. Yeah. yeah, David's yeah. a great dude. Yeah, no, David's yeah. phenomenal. I just saw him. From, he was outside of Grinders today for coffee when I was in the wine. I center never run into him anymore. Yeah, no, he's, he's been too busy. He's got a lot of hair gel. Yeah, does he? he got a lot of <laughs> hair gel. Wearing a, wear a leather jacket on product, but he looks great. Talk to him on Grinder. Right in front of your house. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, those are different. If, if he calls out his bike, then that's okay too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, opiate certainly one of them. Uh, Nala membranes is another one. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of really interesting um, supply chain analysis. So uh, companies that are looking at tracking supply chain. So cotton, for instance, where's your cotton grown? Where's it moved to? So there's a whole bunch of issues on confidence that your growers are the right growers. Yeah. They treat their employees the right way. So really fundamental uh, kind of growth opportunities there. That's sure. a, that's a very consumer-driven thing, isn't it? Because people now, I feel like, especially in the millennial generation, more and more, they want to know where their stuff comes from for their consumer goods. Is that you know, driving? It's absolutely. So, right, look at folks like Nike, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of their production is overseas. How do they treat their employees in those overseas? Everybody wants their cool Nikes. But if you look back up the supply chain, where do you source the leather from? Where do you source the employees how do you treat everybody in the, you know, in the actual plants? And things are changing a lot in, in China for sure. Yeah, and that's why Brandon can't always get a job because people want to search back to some of his history, and they're like, I don't know if I can hire this guy. <laughs> you got to be careful. That's why. Yeah, that's why I had to go out on my own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When when all other uh, ends are dead, you just like I'm just gonna go do my own yeah, thing now. Own yeah, I'll just go make my own road. Actually, like while I was like, uh, I I'd gotten accepted to law school and I was getting. Ready to start, there was a picture. So there was an app called Vine. If, I don't know if you, you remember Vine. Yeah, that was a the precursor pre to TikTok. TikTok. Yeah, uh, and Twitter ended up buying them, and then they closed shop. Well, my profile picture on there because I was post military and like just trying to be a college kid at the age of you know twenty five. Uh, but my profile picture on there was me shirtless with Daisy Dukes and like yes. I was at a race and just was having a great time. Well, they closed Vine down and. 
my profile picture was the first picture that popped up when you typed in my name. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> I've got to, I've got to ask people to hire me for like high stakes litigation. And yes. this is what they're gonna look up. So. I sent a bunch of emails, and I finally got them to take it down, and it didn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but, yeah, so, yeah. We all know. had to, I think everybody in that early generation of, like, Facebook, and we all had to go and scrub those profiles hard. Because when I got on Facebook, it was, like, 2004, you had to have a .edu um, mm-hmm. to be able to, because it was a college-only You had to app. have it, uh, you, had, you had to be asked. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to be invited and all that stuff. Yeah, there was some years where there were some things that were getting put on the Internet that, Probably never see my MySpace. Yeah, you know who I ranked. You drive a General Lee too. Is that that part of it? He's from Indiana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Is is the Indiana can't be nearly as redneck as as Dukes of Hazard, South Georgia? Maybe parts of it. No, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just we're just different. Yeah, just different. (laughs) Just different. Bill, Bill, give us your background if you will. Marine Corps veteran. That's correct. Huge mover and shaker in our Wilmington community. We're blessed to have you here honestly dude um and so just give them kind of a summary of your your background and how you got here kind of how i got here was a small town a lot of family members including my dad korean war veteran a lot of my neighbors were world war ii veterans so history lessons for me were as a young kid just listening to these guys talk about what actually unfolded and stuff a lot of times you just don't see in regular courses and so forth and that kind of shaped of kind of where I was thinking about going when I went to college. And so wanted to be a teacher and, and part-time jobs, you get to support try, yourself to try to go to college because, you know, my dad kind of took my fund as well. <laughs> um, but uh, I met a uh, retired Naval officer who was an in Intel and stuff and did some work with him. And he's like, you know, you'd be a good Intel analyst. And it was, you know, right around when all those movies were coming out, Harrison Ford and yeah. a lot of other stuff. And I was like, you know, that's kind of cool. But, you know, three-letter agencies just didn't recruit at my small college. And so... There is a way you could still get to that endpoint, and you know that was you know going into the military, going intel field, and then and so that was my that was my intent, and uh, and after I got out of the military, it was like you know I really don't want to work up in D.C. doing this. Um, just had you know a young son, and I'm like I can't stand sitting in a car for two hours one way, you know bumper to bumper and everything else. So applied to UNC Wilmington, got hired back in '96, and kind of the rest is history, and. And part of the connections and stuff over the years, I think what helps me today is I just been here longer than a lot of the other folks. So I kind of know where the resources and people and and the right connections are. And so I, I always want to try to help people because that resource base wasn't here when I arrived. And so if I can make life a little bit easier, connect somebody a little faster, so they don't have the same you know issues that I had. Um, hey, that's. It's all gravy. I love it. So you've been at UNCW for 26 or 27 years? Somewhere yeah, in there, I've had, right? a, I wow. had a little broken time. Um, I always thought about going back to the Midwest uh, where I grew up, and my best friend who retired out of the Marines um, said, hey, send me your resume. He was uh, working for Rock Island Arsenal, which is about three, four hours where I grew up. And I'm like, oh, cool. I'd <coughs> love to go back and work there. Next thing you know, I'm getting interviewed in 2008 from a guy in Iraq that said, hey, uh, Matt, pushed me your name onto me. Um, you know, databases, you got Intel. Um, we, we've got an immediate need. I need an answer by tomorrow for a 13 month contract. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And how, how soon would I be over there? Well, 10 days and, uh, we'll, we'll get you over to Iraq. And so I'm like, you know, we all do this. I think, you know, you get out of the the service and, you know, some years go by and you're like, do you still have the skill sets? Do I still, you know, I'm, I was at that age of like, do I still have it? Do I, I think I can still do this. And, and so I'm like, 
yeah, let's do this. And so off I went to Iraq for 13 months. And then that was right when the downturn in the economy, 2009, 2010, there wasn't nothing to come yeah. back to. And so I ended up working at Cape Fear for a couple of years, which was great, allowed me to develop some other skill sets with some different agencies and networks here in kind of the Tri-County area. And, uh, and then I came back to UNCW back in 2012. So happy to make kind of the full circle. Matt, so. I've seen it in the couple of years that I've known Bill, but you've known you've known him a lot longer than me. Can you kind of summarize what you think his impact has been on the local veteran community here from from your perspective, having known him for what you guys I, know each other, eight, ten years, something like that? I think integral for sure. I mean sure. anybody who's anybody, I think in the business community that way I mean, anything veteran related in the business community, um, I yeah, you're a a staple for sure and i think i think hugely that where the department of military affairs is today at the university both physically and professionally is is largely because of you for sure yeah i appreciate that but we all know there's no way one person is able to to accomplish and get all that done so i I learned how to draw in those that are around you that you want to be around but also are the movers and shakers and you learn from them and so it just kind of blossoms but you know it's it's a huge you know tribe that we have here locally and and thankful to signifier thankful to vbc thankful to to rob and how many others here that are really growing the tribe and, and i think that's why this is like the fastest growing area for military veteran populations to, yeah. to come to so yeah the university plays a huge role in that you know like what, what do you think it means rob to have like a uh institute of higher learning that's so dedicated to the veteran community how does that benefit us here in wilmington do you think so it's like an ink spot really so you know bill was being very humble but yeah he will do that and and that's right but you know he's foundational to, to the support and because uncw is such an integral part of this thing called wilmington cape fear new hanover county you know the tentacles of uncw are far-reaching not only the alumni and those who've kind of finished school who stay here but i mean the chancellors right th their impact to the community and what they're doing inside of the university 12 percent, more than 12 percent of the student population is military affiliated mm. that, that that's tremendous that's numbers yeah that's yeah, yeah. And so it's more than 2,200 or so, roughly. Yeah, exactly. math. So, right, generals don't do math. Just yeah. well. But it's somewhere around. You get the aid to do it. Yeah, exactly. Find, find <laughs> somebody to do something. But, but the point is the impact is, is far-reaching, and, and, it's, and it's, right, it's continual. Right? It happens every year over yeah. and over and over again. And the more resources that this ecosystem can bring Bill, that means he can provide more resources to those in transition. Because it's active-duty folks that are going to school. It's those that have just transitioned. It's those that are a little more seasoned. But everybody needs some help in that sine wave of life coming through the university as a staple uh, is really amazing because yeah. it's it's confident. The school, its leadership are growing. They have a great strategy and the impact inside the community is, is pretty phenomenal. Is 12 percent high like for uh, the national average? That seems high. like a big number. Very <laughs> high. Now, um, if you remove out the for profit institutions, you know, American University, some of the other ones that, you know, they cater to a heavy military population but mm. by and large any public institution yeah that's a very high very high number what do you think is the the reason for that outside of all the work that you guys have well, done to make it an attractive offer for veterans you know as, as rob mentioned you know it's a combination of things i mean first of all it's in our dna so in 47 when we started out we were a gi bill school so most of our first student body were all veterans returning from world war ii so when you start out with that in your system and then you look at over time until you know the draft um, kind of ended and so forth that 
the number of personnel in our country that actually served in the military, you know, was nine, ten percent, and then it's slowly gotten down to where it's less than one percent now. So when you start out with a base of, you know, seventy-five percent of your student body mm-hmm. is tied to the military, uh, then their reach and who they're interacting with it just keeps snowballing and so forth. So that is obviously extremely important. Where are we wedged? We're wedged right next to the two largest military installations in the world between Camp Lejeune and Fort Bray. And then you throw in Seymour Johnson, you throw in the Coast Guard and Navy elements and so forth, and voila, you know, we're, we're in a prime area for that. Um, you know, and as you mature as an institution, because we're just celebrating our 75th anniversary, um, we're not just this, you know, flip-flop university anymore right on the coast where you were kind of known as, you know, back in the 60s and early 70s, like, oh, yeah, just go there because... Yeah. No, we have world Easy world class programs. We you know we have some of our programs. They're top five, top ten in the country. For I mean, we're as for all public institutions in the United States, we're top one hundred. Wow, that says an awful lot. So if you can bring in that, you know, notion of hey, if you're tied to the military, we got you covered here. But also, what are you thinking about academic wise? We also have you covered now. And best bang for the buck. I mean, you could spend the same money going somewhere else and you're not going to get the same resources or support that you're going to get here. So we kind of pride ourselves on that. And, you know, I, I always tell folks that are thinking about transition, I'm glad to have a talk with you. I'm not going to talk to you as, you know, somebody from UNCW and courting you to come to our institution. I'll let you make that decision after the talk. But I want to give you the right information for you to make the right decision for you and or your family members about higher ed. Because there's a lot of bad information that's passed out, a lot of bad decisions. And the last thing I want is for, you know, that male or female that's, you know, earned those benefits to waste them on something that they've went to a school that's not accredited. And then they try to transfer somewhere else. Oh, guess what? We'll give you 12 credits out of the 60 that you took because what? So now you've lost all that time and effort for what? Because that decision could have been, you know modified if you just knew the right information that was that was this guy i was taking yeah. classes when i was in iraq had no idea what yeah. school it was with and i got to kennesaw state like hey i got like 40 well, hours and they're like well actually you have zero and if you have a disability rating and you qualify maybe using vr and e benefits before you use your gi bill benefits these these things or roger stem bill you know so where if you're going into you know a stem related field you can get additional benefits in time to complete your degree because it does take longer to get an engineering degree if you want to be a doctor whatever it is but these are things that aren't, you know, put out there for a yeah. lot of folks. to. I mean, it's out there. It's just people don't know what they don't know. So if I can help them navigate that space, which then in turn makes their next, you know, career path so much easier and, and, and helpful, why not? Yeah. So, Matt, I'm not trying to turn this into a public service announcement for UNCW. <laughs> their marketing department does a good job of getting people to go to school there, obviously. Um, but some of those things that Bill just talked about, because you went to school there. And you went and got your MBA there. Um, did you did was UNCW on your short list of schools to go to because of this kind of like ecosystem or community or two of the words that we've we've thrown around here earlier for veterans? No, no. What no. Did, you came here because you wanted to be on the beach. It got me out of Virginia. Yeah. It got us in a community we knew, and yes, it got me back to the beach. I could have cared less what school it was. Knowing what you know now about about where we're at today in 2023 with Wilmington. And the part that that UNCW plays in it, if you were if you were Sar- Staff Sergeant Mylot again, and it was 2008, and you were doing it all over, how much of that would have gone in? Like, would you be thinking about it differently in, in choosing what school that you would go to? Would that would all the stuff that he just talked about 
um, influence your decision, make you feel more confident about coming to Wilmington and going to school there Yeah, as a transition yeah, vet? I would love to. Yeah, definitely. But then again, I, I'm just going to, like, I, it was out of convenience. Yeah. And I think it would still be somewhat out of convenience because I want to be at a school that I can be in person, physically in person, and that's going to be limited, and I can't uproot my kids and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, your, your situation's changed dramatically since then. Yeah, and I, since college, I've become very anti-college. So. <laughs> well, actually, th- I'm glad you said that because that was kind of the point that I was trying to bring up. It's like I've been verbally, um, uh, I don't know what the word is, not verbally abusive towards going to school. Like I know that I went to college and I learned some real things there. And and then I got into small business, and then I was like, holy shit, all the, none of the things that I learned in college am I really implementing in small business, but I still see the utility in it. And I know as passionate as we have been on this show about whether it's franchise ownership or buying an existing business, like there's still value to going through a four-year <laughs> university, which kind of pivots pivots me into the the thing that we wanted to talk about and we'd put a moratorium on pivot for season one just as a reminder we're at season three now right but it's been used two weeks in a row so if you want to establish a new moratorium on pivot um, shift we'll take a show vote we'll take a show vote at the Pushing end of the clutch it. but um but it's the building of community and the university in and of itself builds a community and then as you if you pull yourself out of the picture frame a little bit try to go thirty thousand feet there's a community building within the veteran business owner space um, through VBC um, and a lot of the other a lot of the other things that are there. Um, and and you see all these little pockets of different communities being built that are by veterans and for veterans, I think. And that's something that you two gentlemen have been working on a lot recently with the Cape Fear Veteran Resilience Project. Did I get that right off the? Yes. Professional broadcaster. Um <laughs> So, Rob, talk a little bit about about what that is, why it exists, and what problems. Does yeah, it absolutely. To solve. So, I mean, you hit on most of the topics. So, we veterans, all right, our our life is a life cycle. There's certain points in time where I need assistance or support, or just somebody to talk to about certain things. Right now, you know, most of the public space is about mental health crisis, and absolutely, it is it is a huge problem. We need to address not the scabs on top, but the root cause. But there's a whole bunch of stuff we could possibly do in this veteran for veteran by ecosystem to move left of that boom, right? Boom being mental health crisis and chaos. So what are the resources out there that we can provide to them? So there's a there's a buy and a sell side. And, and in many cases, um, veterans today, especially the, the younger ones, I can say that because I'm older, mm. don't want to go to the big brother VA or others because they believe it's it's oversight or if I talk to somebody it's going to be a disability rating change and I, I just don't like that kind of concept but there's on the other side there's tremendous veteran support organizations that are a one or two person shop that have great heart great intent but they don't have access to the veterans so this this veteran um, resilience project starting in Cape Fear is meant to be an ink spot so we can bring both sides together for an equation use technology to our advantage um, and then we all become sensors, right? So we're a, a, a network of networks and sensors. So if I identify somebody that has some type of help, and again, it's not just mental health, maybe I want to go to school. I, I now know the academic person to answer some questions. Or if I have a question with the VA, I can bring them into this fold as well. Um, but it's meant to provide an aperture. It's an aperture with confidence and trust. As you mentioned, right, we veterans like to have folks who wear the same T-shirts. So that builds the immediate kind of confidence in who am I talking to. And then this is meant to be in Cape Fear. 
the region because there's there's tremendous resources here, but it's hard for the veterans in need to try to find that. Mm. Um, and if we can combine that through some technology, then we have an aperture that's pretty interesting, and then we build it over time, right? So good work gets more good work, and this network just continues to grow. And we're we're seeing that already. So our elected officials are interested in it. The VA is interested in it. Um, the BSOs are interested, academic institutions, small businesses in, is interested because everybody understands the importance of it. This is just trying to bring it together and not allow, not allow our big government to yeah. get in the way and preclude anybody from having access to what's out there. Bill, I'll ask you this question and I'm going to get Brandon and Matt's thoughts on it too as well. A lot of the, a lot of the problems that this is setting out to solve, it sounds to me like there's a signal issue. Like there's so much that is there for the veteran community People to rely on, whether it's a two-person VSO or it's a 20,000-person VSO. We talked about last week, Brandon, like just a litany of benefits or entitlements that, you know, we don't even know exist in some cases. Is that is that what this is hoping to solve? Some sure. Of those signal so issues? if you look nationwide, there's over 48,000 agencies, nonprofits, whatever you have, they're trying to deal in this space. Great on them. But – we have a ton of those same types of entities right here in the Cape Fear region. The problem is it's still siloed. People don't know what they don't know. And so what we try to want to, or what we're hoping to, you know, our intent on this as well is to kind of be that, that clearinghouse. Come to us first in here and we can redirect immediately to where maybe multiple resources that we know are going to be there to support your ask, your needs, your wants, desires, or maybe you find out that that's not just for me. Well, do you have something for my family members? Sure, here, you need to talk to here. And so this whole opportunity is we're not here to replace any of these other organizations. We're not here to point fingers or anything else. We're here to bring you on all as collaborators because at the end of the day, we want to impact that veteran and that family so we keep them in a safe, secure, moving forward, being functional, and not thinking about, hey, I'm already down the rabbit hole, it's too late. Mm-hmm. So this whole, this whole opportunity is, and, you know, it's not just reserved for those men and women that are just getting out right now over the last few years. This is still stemming from folks from Vietnam era that are still, you know, hanging out with still all, a lot of these other challenges that have not been addressed or they've just kind of given up on. So we've got the full gamut here, and that's what we're, we're hoping to, to implement out here is that, hey, let's bring everyone together on this opportunity. Let's use a little bit of technology to enhance because we all know the younger service members are tied to that technology. So if we have an AI, you know, version of a chatbot that's there to answer, you know, 90% of the questions somebody has about where resources or this or that are at in a non-invasive way, why not use something like that? Yeah. If we're going to ask anybody about technology, it's got to be Brandon. He's the only one with half a million followers on TikTok. <laughs> well, I just... China just has all my information. Yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah. I, we think that there is a Brandon Pettyjohn Esquire hologram out there that's been, or maybe it's a robot. It's just been completely generated from how so. good he is on social media. I hope so. Out there litigating cases. Like and paid in, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> For your likeness. Yeah. Name Im- yeah, image likeness. Right, that's right. What do you think, man? Like we, we've had a lot of conversations about. And Bill, you brought up the point. There's a lot of freaking VSOs, and we we overlap each other, and we step on each other's toes. And a lot of people serve a similar mission. Um, some are, and I look at kind of all forty eight thousand of those. Maybe this is crude, um, but I only do sergeant's math, so it's done with a crayon. Far less sophisticated than general's math. But let's let's say they're all broken into thirds. There's a third of them who are who have aged past their usefulness. Maybe that's the most elegant way that I can say it. There's a third of them who have hit their sort of stride. 
and they're making a societal impact. It's their moment. It's their mm-hmm. time. And then there's a third of projects that are in upstart or that are like are really making meaningful community level impact, maybe not necessarily at scale. Is is am I off base with that, Brandon? Do you see it like that too? Like how, how what do you see this as like solving some of the some of the issues that we've talked about with BSOs and Yeah, I mean, so like obviously being in the legal industry and I do some criminal stuff, you know, I, I've been involved with veterans treatment courts since 2016. And so I see the extreme end of veterans not having resources or access to resources. And so when we have them in veterans court, so I'm the, I'm the attorney, the defense attorney for the one here in New Hanover County. And so they're at the bottom, you know, they, they've, they've hit rock bottom and we're trying to point them to resources there. This is a utility that you can use. You don't have to be at rock bottom, you know? And, and so I think that, there is a lot of duplication of um, you know, a lot of the resources that are out there for veterans. They they duplicate a lot of uh, services or resources, but none of them I don't I don't think have a concise kind of database or triage point like what y'all are trying to do. Um, and, and that's how I kind of approach my own business as well. You know, I don't know every legal problem, but if you come talk to me about it, I can send you out to the right place. And and same thing with you guys might not know everything and you could say, we don't have a resource for that, but wait, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do some research and see where we can send you. So I think the, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of veteran service organizations out there. Um, and everyone's trying, I don't want to say everyone, most of them are trying to do good work. <laughs> They're yeah. not trying to make, you know, money not, not trying to like, you know, obviously you got to keep the lights on and do all those sorts of things. But, um, you know, a lot of services out there maybe aren't as comprehensive as they could be. And, uh, it sounds like what y'all are working on is uh, something that's needed for sure. So I have a practical how-to question. Then Matt, can I don't mean to put your business out there, it, but can I use you as an example for my yeah. question? Because Matt's trying to get his disability rating up, which mm-hmm. is long overdue for Matt. You went what eight years without one at all? Yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, almost eight a decade years. with at a zero percent rating. So Matt's doing the hard work of getting that done. Here's my: Why is that such a pain in the ass? Why is there so much freaking red tape and bureaucracy? And and does would this help somebody like Matt navigate that system a little faster, get him through that process so he can live his life with the benefit? It's not even a benefit. Disability is not a benefit to me. That's it's it's something we we live with. But is that what does that kind of cover very at a very small scale what some of these issues is going to help solve? Yeah, most definitely. And Matt, see me after uh, this session here. I definitely help you with that. I did that for you, Matt. Thank right, you, Bill. Right, folks. That that's that's what they live for, and they have great success. So, so, so the point, the word triage is is spot on. So, all of us have transitioned at some point, you know, off of active duty into something else. In the reserve and guardsmen, we do it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So that transition point happens multiple times. The way we transition folks from the active duty is, is horrible. I'll, I'll just be frank, right? We we are we are not current um, in the way small town Main Street or Wall Street looks at opportunities. We don't write resumes the right way. We don't think about what transition occurs. And often we, we do some good things like SkillBridge is a great opportunity to put somebody for six months into a business, small or large. But that other than that, it, it it's a very transactional kind of effort, and it, it's a reciprocal relationship. Both the transitioning 
serviceman who doesn't know what it's like back on small town Main Street, and the organization called the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, whomever, doesn't understand what it's like on small town Main Street. So you get this point where there, there's a gap. Mm. The the military tries hard, but it, it just doesn't do it. And so disability ratings should be part of it. And they try to do it now, but it, it's not just here, fill out these forms, right? That's a very transactional right. effort. What we're looking at is, is a partnership, right? A partnership for life. And because it's with a trusted agency and it's more local, there are there are people that have the ability to do these certain things here in the Cape Fear region. Matt just doesn't know who they are. Right. right. So that's the sensor. Now we just found a sensor. The sensor now will get inside of the VRP ecosystem and start to identify and pull those strings. Got that's it. a classic example of what we would do. So you would have so you would have essentially just like a directory of people that you would say, Oh, Matt has this problem. So you're the you're the top of the funnel. Matt Mylot and his family are dealing with this issue. We have four or five VA claims agents within Wilmington, North Carolina. Here's the five to start talking to to help you resolve this issue a little bit faster. That would be an example of a exactly. Okay, okay. Or and and then we could just go down the list of needs that the veteran community has and start knocking them off one by one. And I'm assuming this thing will grow significantly over time, right? You yeah, can't and, just and identify all of them with the yeah. stroke of no, a absolutely. pen. Absolutely. So we're doing a couple of things. We're doing a, a gap analysis, classic military gap analysis, mm-hmm. to see who's who in the zoo around here. Which is great, but right, things will move over time. And the other piece is right to remove the stigma, because even in industry now, it, unless you have somebody who's from a military or veteran background, there's still the concern about, oh, I don't want to hire a veteran because X, Y, and Z. Yeah, right? they're going to put a black coat on and shoot people in the cafeteria. So we've got to go to industry as well to help them remove that stigma. And so we're we're doing that outreach, right, at at, at will to to help small and large organizations understand all the positive value of hiring a veteran you know, we, we, we all we all have some scars yeah uh, literally physically and, and mentally and and so right if if the again the buy and sell side of that are, are not fully aware right misconceptions misunderstandings and lack of expectations are going to be set and then the veterans unhappy because they went into a place that they didn't really understand the business gets upset because they didn't understand what they were getting from the veteran or the veteran then was underutilized or underemployed gets frustrated, then leaves, and now he's back in a how do I take care of my family kind of environment. So if we can remove some of that uncertainty through through the relationships, then I, I think we have a much better success to be successful. So, Rob, you you know this well now after your first iteration with the Honor Foundation as a coach, mentor. You know, it would be wonderful for the rest of the non-special forces, you know, community could have the same type of access of what those individuals are getting in mm-hmm. THF highly successful they're integrating with c-suite and so now they're having a full understanding of the capabilities <coughs> of anyone that's served what they bring to the table and it's so rich it's so i mean it, it's there the plan's developed it's just i wish it were implemented on you know general, yeah, general level, forces all, level, yeah. all, all the way down and i i think a lot of these issues that you know we're all trying to solve and, and partner and collaborate and help individuals out be not completely removed but certainly would be reduced immensely if something like that was implemented yeah. across the board it's very yeah because you know it's very hard to put on a black coat and go do awful things to people if you have a pretty good life you know it's re- nobody nobody's like man i'm having a great day i'm just gonna go shoot up a place and that off-road from military and how you get picked up and where you land whether it's working for yourself or working somewhere like you know, the THF is such a great example because I can think of so many people, either people that I know or people that I know of, 
that that really found exactly what they were supposed to be doing after going through that program. And who knows what the dark side of that moon looks like, <laughs> essentially. If, like, it doesn't go that way, what does that person become? Um, so the more that we can we can grab people at that transition point, kind of tired of using that word, but that's what it is, um, and, and feed them with the resources necessary to not get a hand out, maybe a step up, um, just by connecting them with the people who really can and will help. I mean, that could be huge. Sure. And to keep it on a local level, I think is really smart. Yeah. Is, and it's ambitious even at a local level. Well, I, so ambition is a great <laughs> word. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of hurdles to get, but over, but the answer is we'll do it. I mean, we, we are not going to let anything or anybody or any organization stop us because we know what the need is. Now we just got to figure out the right components to put it all together. Um, but, but there are, there are certainly gaps. And our, our idea was the ink spot, which is let's create something that works in Cape Fear, and then you can unplug it with the concept, with a structure, and then put it into Charlotte and you know, Mecklenburg County or, you know, up in Wake and Raleigh. And then, you know, the governors like to share with other governors what they're doing. This may be an opportunity for our governor to get together with some other ones and say, hey, look, here's some ways to kind of think about this. Mm -hmm. And that's where it becomes viral and starts to move pretty quickly. Because then somebody says, I'm moving from Virginia to North Carolina. What's that organization down there? And I can say, okay, now I, now I can plug in because it's the same type of go folks wearing the same types of T-shirts, just a different. And now I know where I can go to get my more localized kind of support from. And I, I think that's where... That's where it gets exciting. Matt, it sounds kind of like a signal fire in a way. Definitely. It's, a, it's a little bit signal fire -ish. A little bit. It's all right. No, it's a lot-ish, yeah. actually. No, it, really, it really is. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. yeah. It's an extension. It's outreach. It's connecting. comes through a triage kind of component. Yep. But the bottom line, like, everybody's a sensor. So where we are, where we're out in community, who we're talking to, whether it's Chase and, and the Veteran Business Collective or, or conversations like this, it, it's just – sensing where the need is and then being able to put people into an aperture where then they either they self-select or we can help them get to the right points and we'll have an opportunity coming up in a couple months to really share this out broadly to the entire community yeah, I was gonna so, say, what's, your, what's your ask right now what do you guys where where are you at like and what is needed so so we're doing a 17 may uh listening session so we are inviting um it's going to be down to harrelson center it's from 4 to 7 p.m uh, we're now just getting a list together, but we're going to invite all of our elected officials, some industry, um, the churches who have a great, you know, faith-based opportunity to be censors and to provide support, um, the VSOs that we know in town, mm -hmm. everybody that's in this ecosystem, we're going to bring them together, introduce kind of what we're doing, but then stop talking after about two minutes of intro and then listen to where the gaps are and what the needs are, because this, this VRP can become a portion of advocacy, which I mean to say is if there's something that you, you need some more support from or there's a gap. Like there's there's a vet center here, but it's only one day at Cape Fear Community College yeah. versus a seven-day, almost a full-time vet yeah. center that's up in the Jacksonville. And they leave early. And they leave early. <laughs> so, but but that's 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 a space between the VA and a, a more comfortable spot. If that's what this place needs, then we can help package that, communicate it to whomever it is, the VA and their elected officials. Because now, now we're connecting the right those 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 tissues together yeah. to, to solve a problem. Not not just talk about it, 
identify a need, and then look, let's get an action plan together to, to kind of solve. And they also serve the family members as well, because right. you know if, yeah. if that service member is having a lot of very challenging issues, you know it's it's no it's never it's, isolated yeah, just exactly. to the the sufferer. Like everybody around them suffers, whether it's family, business associates, yeah, friends. Like we all hurt, or, yeah, the knock on yeah. effects are, are pretty yeah. dramatic. Yeah. yeah. So so then the the uh, mission right now is is Fight Club. Everybody tell two people. About this listening session on May seventeenth, is that right? That's it. Well, that's, that's it. it. And, and let us know. We'll put you on our formal invite list okay. because we need to know who's who in the zoo. Uh, yeah, and then that becomes part of our ecosystem. So sure. you're looking. You're looking for uh, spiritual leaders, business leaders, vet service organization leaders, any anybody else that we need to put the call out all, to. All of our elected officials. Yeah. Elected uh, officials. Yeah, we, okay. we've talked to a number of them. Uh, they they are interested in supporting this. Um, you know that New Hanover County has veteran support. Mm-hmm personnel so everybody that's in that system is what we want can, can you can you help us understand how the sausage is made because over the last couple of weeks i've been a little bit salty about politics of as of late um and i don't want to put us into a political conversation but to with current legislation thing that's going things that have been going on the last 12 to 18 months i really kind of feel like our political class is really cool with saying yeah, we support we support veterans we want to help you and then and they use they use that at times to score their own political points, and then after that battle has been won, then it kind of we kind of get relegated back to the sidelines until we're useful again. I'm I don't, shocked at what you're saying. Yeah, I don't believe that anybody is coming for us except for us. I'm kind of become more and more cynical in that regard. The more that I do this and put myself out there in it, how can we as five individuals who share a similar belief and passion? for our community and our community's families help to influence and change that for the better in the future when we go out. Cause I think we put ourselves out there a lot. So, and it gets railroaded for Republicans, sometimes. That's all you I think the, the, the real way to accomplish part of this is something, you know, my father instilled in me who, you know, had a ninth, ninth grade education. It's like, look, if you want to affect change, don't, don't think about the, on the national level where everything that you want to affect changes on a local level. So interact with your local community as much as possible because that's where you live, you eat, you breathe. That's who your friends, neighbors, all these folks are at. And start there. And once you're successful there, and then the natural thing is bring in the state leaders and then bring in the federal leaders. But if you really want to affect change, start locally. And that's what we're looking at here is really developing this template that fits this Cape Fear area here. Now you can take this and implement it in your own community once we get this up and running highly successful, but modify it to fit your community. Because who best knows where the resources, the people, and people that are going to be those change agents are, is those that are in your local community, correct? And at what point did we start running our own people, Bill? <laughs> well, you know, so, yeah. so, so it's I a big risk. So, so yeah. You're right. So I mentioned earlier that the VRP is going to succeed despite our kind of structure, yeah, mm-hmm. political structure. So, I mean, our politicians have a tough job. Our businesses have a tough job, and a lot of people will use comments to get a short-term win, either a vote or some type of support from the DOD saying, I'm going to hire veterans. When you peel that back a little bit, the actual measures and metrics behind that are not as indicative of, okay, I hired a bunch of we'll, – we'll say it, mm-hmm. we get a public splash, but then it doesn't really happen. So despite all of that, the only people that can really support it is this ecosystem. So finding the businesses that understand this or need more information, finding those veteran-owned businesses that want to hire, and we want to hire folks that we can trust, and then bringing the elect- 
elected officials in because it, it has to be part. They're, they're a part of our community as well, and we want them to be their advocate or supporter, whatever adjective or adverb you want to use. They've got to be part of this as well because at some point, you know, this can this can only be grassroots for so long. It's really got to get the support of the community. Yeah, and our elected officials are right. We put them. We put them in place. So if we don't pick the right people that aren't doing the, that, following through with their statements, then we got to pick different people. Yeah. That's a little bit longer term, but the bottom line is we, we know there's a need yeah. and, and we as folks who wear similar t-shirts are, are now engaged to do it ourselves and yeah. drag everybody with us to the, to the finish. We're line. making up a bigger and bigger block in, you know, local, I think in New Hanover, Onslow, Pender, um, Brunswick. Brunswick County, like we're making up a bit of a bigger block and, I'm not a very patient person, um, so when I when I don't see it happening like immediately, I'm like, well, this is kind of crappy, you know. Like, we're right here, guys. Like, we're asking, we're 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 asking, and we're also like helping ourselves. We're not just like looking for a handout from anybody. Um, so maybe it's those two things in concert. It's like building the relationships, but then being patient and knowing that you're in this for the long haul. It's not just going to change tomorrow. So patience is another great word, but you still have immediate needs. And so, right, as we're forming and growing this project, we've already, right, saved a couple people, we'll say. We've either moved them into the right areas or actually saved somebody who was in chaos or crisis. So that's a win. Now we're going to, right, this, this will be like a wave. It'll build momentum over time. But we can't wait for to four or six year kind of election cycles we've got to be able to produce now and then once we have a wins and we can talk about those that that's what we right we want to double down on where things are working if it's not working we're resilient enough as an organization to pivot and try something else but the bottom line is especially in this community there's a ton of folks that need help of, of some type myself included uh and then i want to be able to turn around and provide that as a as a mentor as a resource as a support to other folks that are in there. I mean, you want to open a small business here, I can kind of talk you through that. Yeah. If you want to work in kind of the Army Reserve Guard as a dual citizen, then we can kind of talk about that as well. And I, by the way, I know a guy at UNCW, right? It, it, it's that network of networks that really becomes powerful. Yeah, Bill just gets you to the front of the line, right? You just get right in on, on your word. You just sign the application and somebody's in. Yeah, no, there's a little more to it than <laughs> you gotta that. got to have yeah. that kind yeah. of pull, man. 27 years. What? what have, tell me, when have you seen... Bill, a moment you've seen Bill throw his weight around there at UNCW. Had to, had to be once. Well, you don't want to put that on blast. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> then, it, then it no longer becomes special anymore when he does it, right? I mean, the opening of the Veteran Hall. That was a great, that yeah. Was we haven't talked win. about that publicly. You did a great well, job with that. But again, it, it was so many people coming together and just the, the beauty of seeing so many military and veterans organizations and representatives of those organizations and the mere fact that there were six World War II veterans there in attendance that we were honoring. Um, and, you know, we get to lay claim to this fact that Veterans Hall, that's the only building on a college or university campus in the entire country named Veterans Hall. Really? Only one. So, you know, they're named after a lot of, you know, prominent either Medal of Honor recipients or Silver Star or generals or whatever the case may be, but those are individual names. This is, hey, this denotes... Everyone that has served, past, present, and our future ones that are going to be coming to that institution. If, if so. only we could talk about very relevant and topical name changes <laughs> in the military, you know, to coincide <laughs> with that. But we'll leave that one completely alone. We'll do that next week, yeah, you're, Brandon. You're, you're skirting 
far too on the political uh, line. I know, right? <laughs> I know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna reel myself back. I don't know. I'm all, I'm all geared up the last couple of days for some reason. I don't know why. Probably the 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 uh, Senate bill SB three, the medical cannabis one, cleared the Senate again today, mm-hmm. and it's like. I'm not interested. I don't care. Don't call me and ask me for help. But then at the same time, too, I'm like, you know, I'll sneak away and I'll be like, what's going on? Somebody tell me what's happening up there in Raleigh. But, yeah, I don't know. It's got me all worked up, man. I like it. Yeah. You're passionate. Yeah. Yeah. Or dumb. One or the other. I think it's passion. I'm working on some stuff, man. I'm working. (laughs) I got a new face. I don't have a beard anymore. You know, I'm like. Trying to find your new self. Trying to find my new self. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Bill, Rob, we appreciate you guys so much for coming. Any, anything else that uh, you're asking the community for outside of May 17 listening session at where'd you say it was going to be? The Harrelson Center. Harrelson Center. Uh, one last thing that I'd like to, um, because you guys have such a, a broad reach, and because we've had so many people relocate to this area in the last four years. So along with Sheriff uh, Ed McMahon, Chuck McLiberty, and I were all co-chairs of the Kafir Purple Heart Dinner. We've not had a Purple Heart Dinner since 2019 because of COVID. Mm. This is an opportunity for the community to come together and honor any Purple Heart recipient and their family members. And we have World War II guys that are still around being honored all the way up through our current, you know, campaigns. And so anyone that's a Purple Heart recipient, please come forward. We would love to have you invited. It's not going to cost you anything to come to this dinner. And it really is a a truly a community-led event that comes in and honors those folks and their family members. Is that a good, is that a good time? Is that a good dinner? It's an amazing dinner, about uh, 550 people at the convention center. So for a sit down plated dinner, um, you can't ask for a better evening to be around your tribe and watching, you know, these recipients and, you know, the, the beauty of this event, which will be August 5th, which is a Saturday is before the actual event takes place, all the recipients, just the recipients themselves are put in a special room. So they actually get to talk amongst them, uh, each other, and really, that's it's an opening session. I've watched where in our last event we had uh, Major General Livingston, who's a Medal of Honor recipient from Vietnam and probably the most decorated Marine since Chesty Puller. He was our guest of honor. And by the way, he has three Purple Hearts himself. And so when he walked in that room and you watch a World War II veteran, Korea, Vietnam, and all the way up through our OEF, OIF uh, guys immediately jump to attention because they see that CMH draped. And then it was like, Hey, hey, we're all yeah. we're all the same here, gentlemen. We're all recipients, and let's talk and and to watch that unfold and to see some you know younger guys that are are still close to that rabbit hole because they they just don't know how to process what what happened to them or their buddies, and then to watch these older guys come in and talk to them. It's like, look, here's how we navigate this. Here's my card. Here's my number. Call me anytime. World of difference. Yeah. So. Our last one in 2019, uh, Norman DeYoung, who since passed away this past year, he was 101, two Purple Hearts. He had his first at, you know, Omaha. He was, you know, our special honoree that night as well. But, you know, it, it's an amazing evening. You know, it's all volunteers to put this on and uh, another great opportunity for your community to come together to support. Well, whatever you need us for, you want us to get video, you want us to live stream, you want Matt and I to wait tables, <laughs> like, I'll wait a table. I like waiting tables. Well, you know, you just brought up something, and uh, at our last event, um, the convention center staff does a wonderful job, and one of their staff members who was actually taking, you know, the plates to each of the tables um, approached us and said, you know, I'm, I'm actually a Purple Heart recipient. She was one of the first Navy, plate down. Have a seat. Navy females who, in that capacity, and we're like, are you serious? And she goes, yeah, I have the scars right here. 
We turned around, we put her in the line, and as she was being recognized, John Evans was the MC that night, and he's like, ladies and gentlemen, you also might recognize this individual. She's also serving your food tonight. All the entire staff there had no idea their fellow co-worker was a recipient. I mean, tears, I mean, everything going all over the place, but what a just a special way to honor our men and women who have served in, you know, obviously as a recipient as well. So Yeah, what a great human moment I'm sure yeah, that was for everybody most, that most was definitely. in the room. So, uh, so sponsors, you need sponsors for always, it? You always, need always looking plates? for sponsors. Uh, tickets this year will be a little bit more. Obviously, inflation has come in since four years. But, Jeez. you know, where else are you going to get a, a sit-down, plated dinner, dessert, the whole nine yards for 50 bucks when you know this is going to support paying for all this? 50 and bucks a head, that's all it is? That's all it is. Oh, man. That's well worth it. What's on the menu? Have you already picked? Uh, I, I've not selected that menu. I, I don't have that uh, that option. I believe that uh, our planning committee there, but um, you know, convention center staff does a phenomenal job to get 550, you know, plates up all at one time, desserts, the whole nine yards, and you know, it, it's good to have the local GR to see programs involved because they're the ones that are escorting these recipients and family members to their table. And one of the things we do is we make sure that there's one recipient at every table. So everyone attending the event has an opportunity to interact with a Purple Heart recipient and or their families. And, Very cool. you know, to see some of these World War II guys that, you know, they're just strutting up there like it's, you know, yesterday and just feel so proud. And, and uh, the young guys just looking at them, just questions galore, if you, you know, as you would imagine, and makes for a, uh, a great evening. So. I just had just had an interesting thought. It's real easy for us to feel like we get forgotten about, but imagine what it's like for those people that are, you know, World War II, Korea, yeah. even the elder Vietnam era veterans to really like once their friends and family start passing away. Like this is why community exists would be to pull those people and go, no, we see you. We recognize your contributions. We thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. That's a great way to do well, it. Well, and, and Rob, if, that, if you want that as a future episode, I can get you three or four World War II veterans that are completely all together there. will will shock you at their ability to recall information just like that, and they've got stories uh, unbelievable. Matt, you'd be able to you'd be able to talk, you know, because you were there at that time, right? <laughs> old, oh yeah, you old salt. <laughs> you'd you'd let them know what it was like on Okinawa for real. Pearl Harbor is where I started, so <laughs> that would be fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I got Brandon, I think you got to share share the heart for like history and legacy. Like, if we're not te if we're not hearing those stories right now, we're not capturing those stories. They're going to be lost permanently. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, so, let's have someone on. Yeah, let's do it. That'd be cool. So we'll talk offline about that. Most definitely. All right, Brandon. Any parting thoughts? I, I would, I, you know, based on our conversation, I, I think that you know what, what I would say is that um, get involved with with your local veterans organizations get involved with um your local community um because my perspective uh you can't you know there's very few people you can trust and i feel like these you know we're, we're kind of building our tribe here um i don't have a whole lot of faith in the government's ability to help me out in a lot of instances so um i'm less keen to say hey you know we really need to get these people involved it's probably important but you know, the grassroots level, um, your neighbors, your friends are, are going to be the ones that help you out. And so, um, you know, even people online, you know, there's, you know, the world is at our fingertips. Um, so if you ever feel like you're in a spot where you don't know what to do, um, you know, you're feeling, you know, like the walls are getting closer. Um, there's so much out there resource wise, and you don't need to 
feel alone. Even if the V, even if you reach out to the VA and they they're not able to immediately help you, go to the local college campus, go to you know local veteran service officer. You know, there's one in every county. Um, there's options out there, and so um, this is a good thing that you guys are doing. I'm really excited for you. Excited for our community that something like that's going to be here, um, because a lot of times guys and and, and gals feel like that they don't have any any resources and so it's it's cool that you guys are going to offer not that you're offering anything new but you're offering you know uh, a solution to the overwhelming you know nature of how many organizations are out there cool matt any parting thoughts i agree with everything brandon just said but that's a professional that's a professional communicator right there what he just did yeah that's somebody who has to stand in front of a group of people in a high pressure room and deliver a message well and, you know and candidly it's somebody that's been in that position yeah. before too you know and it's important to me that you know i think you know success outside of the military what makes it different is your support system you know i've dealt with so many veterans that have been arrested or something like that and you know getting into their story they came back to their hometown and they didn't have anybody they lost their family when they left the military you know your brothers and the and you you think just like hanging out and bsing in the barracks is is you know not formative but it is and yeah. you lose that and uh it can it can send you down a rabbit hole yeah and so i've seen it from both sides and i think it's an important thing yeah absolutely dude all right matt any parting thoughts no i was just gonna say thank you gentlemen very much i'm grateful to have you guys as leaders in our community and uh, as part of our veteran brotherhood, too. So, and Thanks for telling the stories about Matt that you do when the cameras aren't on. There's, import, there's important ones that have happened over the years that we need for, for the archive, for the verbal history now, of Matt Milot in our community. I don't want to go an episode. We started a new segment. We I did. Don't, I don't want to go an episode. No, I know. It. Do you have it? Do you? Ha we did say we were going to send it at random. All right, Matt's, so, Matt, Matt's millennial. Can you do me a favor? So we have this new, um, and I'm, I'm very passionate about this. I am too. Well, about what you just said. Okay. Mislabeling generations. Yes. I'm a millennial. Yeah. You're a millennial. I'm millennial. You're a millennial. If you don't, maybe Technically, you're, maybe you're Gen X. He's 82. 82. Yeah, you're right there. <laughs> oh, you're 80. <laughs> Hi, Rob. I'm Matt Milot. I was born in November of 1980. So November 11th, 1776. Yeah, to be exact. The lazy kids are Gen Z, not yeah. millennials. And so we always get the bad rap. Millennials fought the wars in yep. Afghanistan and Iraq. We are we fought through the recession. Three economic crises Three economic that millennials crises. have lived through. So you, you old shits out there, quit calling everyone <laughs> younger than you a millennial. That's get not the my case. Lawn. So Gen Z. So we have a Gen Z, all this new stuff that kids are saying. You probably hear a lot of it around the college campus. Matt is going to give us the translation. So last week it was out of pocket. Out of pocket. This week, I just want you to uh, I want you to translate Finna. F-I-N-N-A. Is it like saying finally? I'll use it in a sentence. Uh, okay. I'm finna grab a beer after this. Um, getting ready to. I like it. See? Yeah. It's, it's a softball. You got it. Yeah, you could, it. you could have asked him country, country of origin. Right? We could have done the full the full spelling bee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One more, more prepared, we'll do yeah. that. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Good job, Matt. You're two for two on Gen Z phrases. Because I'm with you. I'm sick and tired of of present company not included. <laughs> are, are, are the generations up, especially those Gen Xers, man. 
I tell you what. Yeah, they millennials, down hard on millennials get millennials get shit on a lot. And you know what? We're the ones that were humping packs in Iraq and Afghanistan. That's right. Not take, these Gen Zers. Taking orders from these two. <laughs> That's yeah. Right. But I'm gonna I'm gonna cut this episode off before you punch me in the face, Rob. <laughs> no punching. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, look up into the Cape Fear Veteran Resilience Project. There's a Facebook page for it now, right? Correct. Okay, so go to Facebook. Uh, we'll throw it uh, on the screen somewhere in the caption somewhere. Cape Fear Veteran Resilience Project. Uh, check that out. Listening session on May 17th from 4 to 7 p.m. Your directive is, is to go full fight club, grab two people, bring them with you, um, and share exactly everything that we talk about on this show. Like, what is out there for us? And what are the problems that we're still dealing with? Because none of none of these problems, none of these challenges are new. That's the thing is, like, there's something for just about everything. None of us are, are in coming up with the next new, real, brilliant, creative idea. It's, it's all kind of repurposed and repackaged. We just need to know where everything is at. And who do we talk to to solve that one individual problem? So go check them out. And until next time, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Signal Fire Radio. Until we talk to you next week, go out, feed your mind, strengthen your body, enrich your spirit, and grow your tribe, and go be a signal fire in your community. We will talk to you next week.